Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. This pandemic, right, this period of disruption that we're in certainly magnifies the challenges that women experience before the pandemic and post when this time we get back to a more routine way of working, right? And that is the overwhelming responsibility of not only the work that needs to be done, but our family commitments. And oftentimes what women struggle with is how do I create the harmony in my life so that I can, can contribute at work and then provide balance for how I, I live the remaining parts of my life. So what can organizations do? I think part of it is having leaders who understand that women have a very different experience in organizations than their male counterparts. Rosina has more than 25 years of experience in organizational planning and development, training and development, and HR management. As president and CEO of Women Unlimited, Rosina is actively involved in helping organizations meet the challenges of a continually changing global economy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Really excited to have this conversation about diversity, inclusion, and many other related topics. So, Rosina, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And, you know, really, really excited about this conversation. And I want to begin by, you know, pointing out a recent research. We're recording this podcast, by the way, in October of 2020. So this research came out recently showing how incredibly overwhelming is the number of women leaving the workforce uh, as opposed to men because of all that's happening during the pandemic and the fact that now they have to deal with, you know, family and many other responsibilities beyond work. And to me, it is really appalling. It is something like, you know, um, one in every four people leaving the workforce, one is, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, it's it's, it's like something around 900,000 women in the past few months. So, So let me ask you this. Um, how can we better prepare the workplace to deal with things of this kind? Because this is not the only crisis we're going to be going through. There will be many more crises going forward. How can we ensure that we're building a workplace where women have the opportunity to still participate in the workforce, even when, of course, there are a number of other responsibilities around, you know, related to family and children and whatnot? Well, we're diving right into it this today, which is great. Um, so I think it. I think the this pandemic, right, this period of disruption that we're in, certainly magnifies the challenges that women experience 
before the pandemic and post when this time we get back to a more routine way of working, right? And that is the overwhelming responsibility of not only the work that needs to be done, but our family commitments. And oftentimes what women struggle with is how do I create the harmony in my life so that I can, can contribute at work and then provide balance for how I uh, live the remaining parts of my life. So what can organizations do? I think part of it is having leaders who understand that women have a very different experience in organizations than their male counterparts. Um, and oftentimes the challenge for leaders who are predominantly male is that it's not that they're intentionally creating barriers for women, it's just that they don't experience the organization in the same way as their women colleagues do. And so they need to gain that understanding. And what we do at Women Unlimited is we often have male leaders that participate as mentors. And what we hear from them, especially the first time that they've mentored, is they have a heightened awareness to the barriers that women are experiencing in their organizations. Unintended, but they're still significant. So I think for, from an organization standpoint, it's enhancing awareness on the part of the male leaders about the barriers, but more importantly, what could they do about it? So I think that's one point, like what can they do about the systematic problems in an organization? And then the other piece is to also work with women to help them better understand how they can navigate their organization for their success, right? So at the end of the day, we need to be in control of our own career path. We need to understand what success looks like in the organization and how I, as a potential leader, can help contribute to that success. And that may mean being focused on the critical things versus trying to do everything, right? Um, also to understand what are those relationships that help keep me informed about myself and my business. The one thing I heard in my research and what I hear often in the work that we do at Women Unlimited is women tend to focus on their work, wanting their work to speak for themselves and they don't look at forming relationships with others outside their area, um, outside their span of control to gain greater insight into some of the long-term issues for the business, but also to make sure that they're getting feedback that helps them understand how do they create a stronger uh, development plan for themselves moving forward, right? So women don't tend to get the feedback and the guidance um, that they need. And while that's a problem, we also have the capability to build relationships that give us that guidance and helps us determine how do we navigate the organization and build a career that's sustainable. Absolutely. This is, this is fascinating. And I want to unpack a few things that you, that you mentioned. One of them is about the barriers that exist for women at work that we men may not always see because for us they may be just uh, you know part of the way things are and it's just a status quo and we you know it's like a natural thing for us maybe and we don't see them um we, we don't see them at all or we don't see them as barriers and whatnot so i want to unpack this element 
because I would love for our audience, especially our male audience, to understand what these barriers are and how can we help tear them down so that opportunities continue to exist and grow for women in the workforce? So I think, I think I'm going to start with um, the most prevalent one, which is around feedback and career guidance, right? So in our programs, um, the women are identified as high potential by their organization. And I, I often will ask them, tell me what kind of uh, feedback you get from your organization, from your managers, right? And what they'll tell me, especially from their male managers, what they hear is, you're doing a great job. Just keep doing what you're doing. And while that may soothe my ego, it's not very helpful, is it? And what we see happening, and we see this in research, and we also see this in reality, is that the more different you are from your manager, right? So if I have a male manager, um, if I have a manager who's white and I'm white, if I have a manager who's white and I'm a woman of color, the more different I am from my managers, the more distance there is in how we perceive things. And oftentimes there's a disconnect in how I get that career guidance. And what we see is an apprehension on the part of the manager to give me qualified, helpful career guidance. It's easy to tell someone they're doing a good job. It's harder to say, gee, Rosina, you know, when you were in that meeting and you were making that point, the way that you communicated that did not resonate strongly with, with the individuals that you were looking to influence. Here's a better way that you could have done it. Let's talk about things that you could do. Or, um, you know, if you're looking to advance in, into a senior leadership role in marketing, here's some strategies that you need to think about. Here's some people who need to get to know you, blah, blah, blah. So women aren't getting, and I'm, this is a bit of a generalization, but in, in general, most women don't get spe specific career guidance in how they can advance. There's a lot of research that men get, get uh, guided on their potential, right? Their leaders will look at them and say, gee, he's really ready for that next role. And I've seen that in my career where women get judged on their performance, what they did in the past. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of a, um, a, a double edge, a double bind, right? Is that women aren't given the opportunities, but they're also not given the insight on how to prepare for those opportunities. Absolutely. And the, the other element that I, that I also want to unpack with you is, you mentioned before about the help that the organization and particularly male counterparts uh, and leaders can provide to women in the workforce. And I got to say, I, 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 of course, have, you know, dozens of conversations about diversity and inclusion. And I continue, every time I have a conversation, I, I realize how ignorant I am about how to do these things and how much, how much else I need to learn vis-a-vis -vis the things that I'm learning uh, in, in the journey, right? And I'm asking you this question, not just because I'm curious, you know, uh, genuinely curious about it, but also because I, I know that many of, of uh, uh, my male colleagues that I speak with, they have a perception of, I want to help more. I just don't know how to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to come across as somebody who is uncalled for a provi providing feedback or somebody who just out of the blue wants to say something about um, a female counterpart, um, uh, uh, you know, work, 
and they may that may be perceived as something negative. So how can we do this effectively? How can we help? And I'm asking this question from my, you know, from my male, um, from the male perspective. Yeah. So I, I love the question, Enrique. And, you know, I often will remind um, women in our programs that, I, I, you know, I grew up my career in HR in the chemical industry and in manufacturing. I've worked with a lot of male leaders who truly care about supporting women and advancing um, them in their careers. Um, so I don't believe that the majority of male leaders don't um, let me say it differently. I believe that the majority of male leaders want women to be successful. Yeah. What they don't understand is that our experience is different, right? So I think the first thing um, that male leaders can do is to be curious. I loved Enrique when you, Enrique, when you use that word curiosity, right? Be curious about the woman's experience in your organization don't assume that her experience should be the same as yours, right? So um, I think that the more that you can take um, that the start at that point of curiosity and just ask questions to better understand, not judge, but to better understand, and then be able to provide some guidance once you have clarity around what exactly is the woman experiencing. Because oftentimes women are marginalized by the behaviors of others. And it can cause them to not take the risk, not put themselves forward for opportunities. You know, we often hear women making statements like, well, I won't pursue that job because I don't have all of the requirements. So I think as a male leader, if you see women that you see as strong candidates for roles, encourage them, yeah. reach out to them, set up some time and, and have a conversation about their aspirations. Give them some insight around how you're perceiving them. What are the things that you're do they're doing that you're thinking are of value to the organization? And more importantly, what's some advice or guidance that you have for them on things they can do differently to really enhance how they're creating impact for the organization and for themselves? Uh, absolutely. Actually, you, you are reminding me of one of many conversations, one of them with one of my good friends at my previous work, uh, she was going to apply for a job. And, and I thought this, this woman is incredibly talented and perfect for this job. And she would tell me, I, I don't think I'm the right person because I don't have this one or two skills. And I, you know, I, I was thinking like me as a man, I would just go for it. Right. I would just like apply for it. I don't care if I don't have two, two of the skills that they are requiring. I mean, the worst case scenario is that they say no to me. Right. Um, and the, the, the experience is, is really different. I encourage her to, of course, apply because I thought as an, as an external out of the, the work relationship that uh, she was trying to apply for uh, or the work job, um, I thought she was, you know, overly qualified for that, for that, uh, for that job. But you, you're totally right. You know, the experience is different and women see and perceive the world in, in a very different way. And the, I want to tie this to, to something that you also mentioned, which is the building of relationships. Mm. And across all the conversations that I've had recently, all the, all the podcasts and events and whatnot, one of the common elements that has, uh, that has surfaced you know, across all these conversations is how important it is for us, especially in the world of HR, to nurture and build relationships with our peers at work, other chiefs at work, people that we can collaborate with to do projects together and, and whatnot. I 
I, I never uh, ex, um, perhaps saw that there may have been a difference between how women or men build relationships. So I, I do want to ask you, what's your recommendation for uh, for our female colleagues at work to, to build these relationships at work? How can they do it? How can they approach this? What needs to change in their own mind, minds if there's something that is preventing them from doing so? So, so this is my, my passion, right? It's around how we build relationships that matter. And I think it starts with, um, you know, I, what I often see, and I saw this in myself early in my career, I got a lot done on my own. I really didn't need a lot of other people in order to create success for myself and for my organization. And I think that it gives women a false sense of comfort in their own capabilities, right? Um, but we need to recognize that no matter how intelligent we are, how smart we are, we are limited by our own perspective. I only know what I know. And while that sounds simplistic, um, it also then limits our capability to greater success, right? I grew up in, in HR. And so often in my career, I would build relationships across the various um, enterprises of an organization that I was a part of. I'm not in sales, but I needed to understand how individuals in sales were experiencing the organization. I'm not in operations, but I needed to understand how the people in operations were experiencing the organization. What were the challenges? What were some of the things that were working well for them? And I needed to have that broad understanding so that as I was looking to influence uh, and build strategies for the organization's success, I was not just basing it on how I viewed the organization, but how the collective was experiencing things so that I had a broader range of understanding to create even better um, uh, solutions for the organization. And so for individuals, we need to do the same thing for us, right? If, if I have, if I'm an engineer, I need to have relationships with people that are more broad-based than just other engineers. I don't want to be surrounding myself with people who see the world like me and just tell me that I'm right. I want people that are going to make me feel a little uncomfortable, really challenge my assumptions about things. This is how we learn and grow. So, you know, comfort and growth does not happen at the same time. So we really want to build those relationships, trusted relationships that, you know, I'll be able to give them my perspective and they'll be able to give that to me. So, you know, I think we should test ourselves. Are you so comfortable in your relationships? Everyone's just affirming you. I think you should think twice about, then who, who am I building these relationships with? Who should I be speaking to? So someone that's really challenging the way that I see the world, I'm gonna reach out to them and set up some time to talk to them. Not because I wanna show them that I'm right. I wanna understand why do you see something so differently than me? So that I can better understand how I can work with you to solve organizations' problems. That that is that is fascinating. And by the way, this this message not only resonates with women. I hope I hope it also resonates with men, especially those that think that uh, they can, you know, uh, do all on their own and they have it all and they know it all, and they surround themselves by people who 
are of the of a similar mindset like and, and they just say yes you're right you know you you know and 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 whatnot i i, I think that what you're describing is is an ideal way to uh, to continue growing and learning as you mentioned before do you think there are differences between the way men and women are motivated to build relationships is there is there any difference between this uh the way we see the not just the importance but the way we do it i i think we could make some generalizations around it i think that women are um are better at uh the social relationships mm -hmm. you know if i want to know you know where your sending your child for childcare or what you think of the school. We're very good at managing that. Um, and we, you know, I see this in, in you know, my husband and, and other male friends and colleagues that I've had. They're very good at, at building relationships for the long term. If they didn't talk to somebody in three years, it doesn't matter. They can still pick up the phone and have a conversation where women tend to feel like once those ties have broken, you know, I can't really reach out to them anymore. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think we can over, we can generalize it a lot. I think women, because especially once you get to that mid-career where your life becomes fuller, right? Where if I have family and, and, and family could be my children or parents, right? I have these other obligations outside of work that maybe rest more on me than my partner. I tend to focus on work and I'm not going to spend time um, that I don't see as a value add in building yeah. relationships. So we do the work, we get our work done and we see that women tend to, and I still hear this from women today. I, you know, I don't really like talking about myself. I don't like, um, you know, building those relationships. I want to do my work. I want to do it very well. And I want my work to speak for itself. Well, first of all, We don't know what our work is saying. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Um, and if we're not advocating for ourselves, if we're not telling people uh, what we're bringing to the table, what skills, what perspective, how can they put us in? So I, I, I'm encouraging women and men too, really, to rethink that. So if you're a person who thinks, well, my work should speak for itself. I don't like talking about myself. That is a fool's errand, if that's your yeah. belief. Yeah. I'm going to tell you to think about it differently. Your leaders, especially in this business climate, are sitting around thinking, what are the resources that are available to me to solve the organization's problems, to build the future for my business? And if they don't know what you're bringing to the team, they can't put you into play. So you have a responsibility to let people know, hey, you know, I've just done this, this project. And you know what I learned? I learned this about my cus the customer. I learned that. And I'm really excited about how this may be applied in other parts of the business. So you need to find a way that's authentic to you to talk about what's exciting to you about the work that you do. And most importantly, the potential uses for it in your business. That's how you get people to know what you're bringing to the table. I, I love that, and it's it's the idea of showing up, right? It is it is, uh, yeah. and once again, you know, I know we are having a conversation to to continue to provide platform and ideas to women to to show up and and, and continue to be successful at work. But I think this is equally relevant for men uh, because Absolutely. you know, um, 
we, we may feel that we may be more inclined to show up. But I also know a lot of men who 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 say the same thing, right? Like, I'm going to let my work speak for itself uh, or like, I don't like to talk about myself. Well, you're going to have to because, you know, you're competing with a bunch of people for for yeah. attention, for the same job, for the same market share. Uh, if you're leading a company and, you know, not showing up, you know, means that doesn't mean that you're not doing a good job. It means that you're not being seen by the people who need to see you. And, and I think this is so powerful. Um, so Rosina, let me ask you this question. One thing that I know you you work a lot with your with your team and and uh, you know helping women is around uh, uh, helping them increase their tolerance for ambiguity and, and adaptability. And right. what an incredible thing to do in a time where the reality is changing. I mean, seven months ago, none of us would have, would have ever thought that we we're going to be thrown into the middle of a pandemic, and here we are. Right. And next year is going to be something else. And the year after is going to be something different. So how, how do you do that? How do you help women increase their tolerance to ambiguity and become uh, much more adaptable than I think you already are because you're awesome? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. You know, it's interesting, Enrique, right before the, the pandemic hit in March, I was reading research by Corn Ferry around the two key leadership capabilities for people at the senior level. Um, are the t- their tolerance for ambiguity and their adaptability. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that, those skills are critical because when you're in senior roles, you are charting the direction of the organization. You are, no one's telling you, here's the 10 things you have to do. You are determining, here are the, here's how I create value for the future in my organization. But that skill set is not born when you get to that senior level, it's something that needs to be cultivated earlier in your career. So as we were looking at the work that we do at Women Unlimited, and we were redesigning everything to be delivered virtually, we decided to kind of put in the center of the work, helping women gain and strengthen their tolerance for ambiguity and adaptability. And I think just in how you create your own career path um, can be that, right? If you, no one's telling you, here's the steps to take, you're determining, here's where I see the value I can add. We, um, in all of our programs, we have embedded a strong component around mentors because we believe we want to help women gain insight on how do I create these relationships in a way that's powerful for my career. And we create a framework that gives them, you know, an idea of how to get started, but we don't tell them, you know, here's what you do in month one, here's what you do in month two. We say to them, design the future that's going to help you. And so I think the more that we can give women a framework to help them step into something that's ambiguous, and then be successful in that, right? Where we can give them guidance along the way without direction. That helps build our tolerance for ambiguity, right? We're designing what success looks like. We determine that. That's what a business leader has to do. Here's where we're going. This is what it will look like when I'm successful. And then I'm going to design my way and I'm going to course correct along the way. And so the more that we can give experiences like that, to people that are resistant, right? That aren't that comfortable with ambiguity. That's how we strengthen our tolerance. Uh, I think it's fantastic. And I think it's, a, you know, it is, it is a well-guided journey 
that, like you said before, it needs the mentors, both women and men. Yeah. And, and, you know, we would be setting up the, 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 the platform for, for success. Um, this is fantastic. So Rosina, as we wrap up this conversation that again, I feel that I learned so much that now I know also how much I don't know yet and how much more I need to learn about how to be a, a partner and an ally, and an ally for women at work. I want to ask you this. If you were to tell men a good place to begin their journey, to become a powerful ally for women at work, what would that place be? And then I'm gonna, you're going to be the first person that I'm going to be asking you this question in two forms. One, one starting point for men and one starting point for women. For men, it is, what is our first step to become that powerful ally for women at work? Um, I would say just reach out to some women and have some conversations about their experience in the organization and be curious about that and not defensive. Just, you know, seek first to understand how women are experiencing the organization, what's working for them and what are some of the challenges they have to, co to fully contribute to the organization. Fantastic. Great, great advice. And uh, one that should be very, very, very doable. You know, it doesn't require, um, you know, much, um, much thinking or much uh, technical skills. We just need to make it happen. So let right. me now move on to, to the last question. What would be the first step in the journey of a women, woman at work who wants to build her relationships and her network and her community at work or outside of work? What should be that first step? Uh, the first step is to set, sit back and think of what are the perspectives that would help enhance your point of view? So is there um, a, maybe a part of the business that you wish that you knew a little bit more about? Or is there a leader that has a style that's very different than yours that you can learn from? Just create a relationship map of what would that look like and build it out for yourself and then reach out and ask them for 30 minutes of their time and just have a conversation with them. Love it. Love it. Once again, doable. And it just requires to put um, ourselves and in this case, our female colleagues at work to put themselves in a place of, you know, I, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. Uh, Rosina, thank you so much for spending this time with me in this fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a joy. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next Hacking HR podcast. I'll see you all soon. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.